you're listening to Bible Study Wednesday, Law and Gospel, on this February the 12th in the year of our Lord, 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. We're going to be taking a look at Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 36. Now, you need to have some understanding of the culture of Jesus' day to explain some of these items that are in this passage. And then, of course, we're going to look at it from a law and gospel point of view. Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 36. It's entitled by the editors, A Sinful Woman Forgiven. So, first verse, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. Now, a couple of cultural things here. The Pharisees, many of them, really hated Jesus. And for one of the Pharisees to ask him to eat at his house, that was something. Because in that culture, you would eat with people that you respected, that were at your level, so to speak. For example, if I went to the White House today and said, yeah, I'd like to have lunch with the President of the United States, there's no way that that is going to happen. Uh, not because the President thinks he's so much better than I am, but rather there is a protocol, even in this country, that the President has meetings, he has a secret service, and so just not anybody could just walk into the White House and eat with him. Well, that was kind of similar in Jesus' day. For Jesus to eat with certain people, remember, there are occasions when he's eating with tax collectors. And the Pharisees, boy, this can't be God, because God knows that these people are sinners working with the Romans. So that's the first thing. And he went to the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. Now, if you've ever seen artistic renderings of the Last Supper, they really are using a, a table in the sense that they're sitting at chairs, the disciples are on either side of Jesus. No, that, that's not the way. In fact, verse 2 talks about him reclining at the table. And that's important to remember. They weren't sitting in chairs with their feet under the table. It was a very low table, and the way that you would eat reclining you would go down, lie on your side, your feet would be going away from the table, and then you would be eating, of course, with your hands, uh, the food that was provided. And, and that way, she could wash his feet. He 
she didn't have to get under a table or something because his feet were extended away from the table. So how do I know these things? Well, because first of all, it says that she learned he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. And that word uh, recline is very important because it means he was lying on his side. And that's how she could come in and wash his feet. So when Jesus is there at the table, verse two, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment that might remind you of another occasion that Jesus was anointed. It's actually found in Matthew verse 26. Now that says, verse six, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. Same kind of uh, language. But this was at a specific house of a leper who had been healed by Jesus. Now, they began in Matthew 26 to talk to Jesus saying, why this waste of this precious ointment? It could have been sold and given to the poor. Jesus says, she's done a beautiful thing. You always had the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. And then in verse 13 of Matthew 26, truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Well, by the way, it's right after that that Judas goes to the high priest to prepare to betray Jesus. Now, this appears to be a different situation with this woman who was a sinner, according to verse 37 of Luke 7. It's not specific how she was a sinner, but if you take a look at the culture of that day, many of the leaders in Judaism, Pharisees and such, when they spoke of someone being a sinner, it usually fell into two categories. Uh, they are three or four. They could be Gentiles. They could be tax collectors. And if it was a woman, well, she was probably a prostitute. 
although it doesn't say that specifically. But she learned Jesus was at the Pharisee's house and brought an alabaster flask of ointment, standing behind him at his feet. So this shows that he had his body extended away from the table. Weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, verse 39, and we'll explain why she was doing this. Now, when the Pharisee who invited Jesus saw this, he said, now this is important, to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And guess what? He says this to himself, and Jesus answers him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered it, saying, well, say it, teacher. Now, it just so happens that in Matthew 26, the name of the leper is Simon. So this is perhaps why the Pharisee invited Jesus. This could be the, the same event. And Simon maybe had been healed by Jesus, why he invited him into the house. And he answers Jesus, say it, teacher. Now, he doesn't call him God. He calls him teacher. And that particular word, teacher, is one in which he is making the point that Jesus is someone he needs to listen to. Now, in the original, it's didaskalos, and that refers to a teacher. The King James says, and he says, Master, say on. That could be a proper translation, because teachers were considered to be masters of their knowledge. And so, Simon, if this is the leper who was healed, wants to know from Jesus why he is allowing this prostitute to do. Now, Jesus answers people always in two ways. Uh, the one way is by a question. The other way is by a parable. Jesus does both of these, beginning with verse 41. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. That, that's really a lot. And the other, 50. So one owed 10 times more than the other. When they could not pay, he, that is, the moneylender, canceled the debt of both of them. Canceled the debt of both of them. In, in other words, 
The King James puts it, he forgave them both. That's kind of an interesting way of talking about that. He forgave them both. That's what it means to have your debt canceled. We've often given the definition of being forgiven is no longer being held accountable for what you have done wrong. That's a canceling of your debt. Uh, You may be in a courtroom because, well, the policeman had used radar and you had been going 10 miles over the speed limit. But you question the policeman as to whether or not he had tested his radar equipment prior to going out on his assignment. He says, well, that day I was busy, so I didn't test it. The judge may then cancel your debt because the policeman had not properly tested his radar. You would be forgiven the cost of going over the speed limit. So Jesus talks about this parable, and then he asks the question. Now, which of them, the one who owed 500 denarii and the other 50, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. See, parables can be understood because Simon says in the King James, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. That's not the normal word for forgiveness, but it is a word that can be translated as the one who pardoned, who gave graciously, freely, or granted forgiveness. That's a pardon that that moneylender had done. And Jesus then responds, you have judged rightly. You are correct in what you have said. Verse 44, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water to wash my feet. See, once more, you need to know the culture of that day. Uh, They did not have paved roads everywhere, maybe stones, but a lot of it was dusty. So you would often have a servant wash the feet of the guests who came in. But this Pharisee had not done that to Jesus. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. And that's another cultural thing. 
Now, you see that in some countries today when people meet each other, they may kiss on the cheek. And he did not even do that to welcome Jesus into his house. But when she came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. This was a special way of inviting someone into your house. And it was reserved for important guests. It's uh, talked about in the Bible in various places. In fact, uh, you may recall one of your favorite Psalms, Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So that's what Jesus is saying. He's using the Old Testament and indicating the things that she had done that the Pharisee had not done when Jesus had come into his house. Now, verse 47 is often misunderstood. Uh, Here's the translation. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Now, I'll, I'll tell you how a lot of people understand that. Because of her great love for Jesus, her sins were forgiven. But that doesn't make any sense. Because Jesus told a parable where a great amount of money owed by two people was forgiven, canceled, the debt. And there's nothing in there that they loved the money changer. That's not why the debt was canceled. The debt was canceled simply because he, by grace, canceled the debt. You don't owe me anything. Now, then Jesus says, which one of them will love him more? You see, he doesn't use their love as the cause of their being forgiven. He talks about their love as the result of their being forgiven. This is a great law and gospel verse. None of you who are listening right now have been forgiven your sins because you love Jesus a lot. In fact, your sins were forgiven before you even knew him. From the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And many of us were baptized as infants. We didn't love Jesus at that point. And yet we received two gifts, according to Acts chapter 2, Pentecost sermon by Peter. We received not only the gift of the Holy Spirit, we also received 
the gift of the remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins. So when Jesus says to the Pharisee that she loved much, that's not the cause of her being forgiven. She really now loves Jesus because her many sins were forgiven. Now, we don't know how active she was as a sinner if she was a prostitute, but she is forgiven a lot. Jesus says that, verse 47. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. Jesus is using her love to show how she understands what has happened. I have many sins. This is why preaching the law is really important. Yes, it makes people angry. It hardens their hearts at times, as it did with Pharaoh and the Pharisees, because they don't think they're that big a sinner. But the less you think that you are a sinner, the less will be your love towards Jesus. But her love was great. In fact, there's a number of words in the Greek for the word love. One of them is phileo, which is Philadelphia, a city of brotherly love, that you love your relatives more than you would love a stranger who comes to the door. But the word that Jesus uses here is agape. That's the word God uses in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Agape is a word that refers to a love that does not expect anything. So it is a gracious love. And it's done out of the free will of the person who is loving because of the experience that they have had in what? Receiving the gift of the forgiveness of sins. For once you become a believer, you do now have a free will in spiritual matters to decide whether or not to follow Jesus and obey him. He goes on, verse 48, your sins are forgiven. Now, verse 49, you have to understand the culture of that day. They believe only God could forgive sins. So verse 49, then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Uh, reminds me of the Sunday school lesson that we had where Jesus calms the storm after a sleep on a cushion in a boat. And the disciples, who is this that even the wind and wave obey him? Well, throughout their ministry with Jesus, they come to recognize this 
is the promised Messiah. But then Jesus says something else. He says to the woman, your faith have saved you. Go in peace. Wow. What does he mean that your faith has saved you? Uh, the word faith there is the Greek word. It's referred to as pistis and refers to trust in the promises of the gospel. Why did she come into the Pharisee's house? She came in because she had probably heard Jesus preaching, recognized what a sinner she was, and needed to have her sins forgiven. And that's why she was weeping. Your faith has saved you. This is a wonderful law and gospel lesson showing that as we repent of our sins, Jesus forgives those sins and we are saved. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, Rumination Thursday, we're still up in the air as to what we're doing because Wes Reimnitz is ill, may not be with me. Tune in tomorrow. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.